from Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center in Vacaville, California. Here's Reverend Daya Adams. But we no longer are in 2019. Surprise! This is 2020, 2020. Last year, we focused on awakening to the truth of our oneness and what a powerful experience that is. And when I was reflecting on what should be the theme for this year, I was sitting in the silence, and the word peace bubbled up. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to do peace. I want to do something more dynamic and forceful and exciting. And then I'd be doing the dishes, and the word peace would bubble up. And I said, no, 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 not peace. And then when I caught myself fighting it as hard as I was, I'm there, uh-oh, that's it, because I typically fight my guidance before I embrace it. So we are spending the year talking about opening to learning about the way of peace. And once I said yes to it, it felt right. It felt so right. All I have to do is sit down in front of the TV and turn on the news. And the opening for peace is huge. The need for peace, the call for peace. This is the time. This is absolutely the time to focus our spiritual attention on peace and to study the way of peace. And we all know what it is. It's like love, you know. We know what it is or beauty. But if, if we try to define it, there aren't words enough that capture it, that really say what it is, and yet we know what it is, and we don't know what it is. At the same time, early in life, when I was very young, and coming out of a fairly chaotic life circumstance, I ended up in a 12-step program, and they taught me the serenity prayer. And this 12-step program became my spiritual path for a number of years. And the serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And I was young, and I'm, you know, I'd say it, and I'm there, I don't want serenity. I don't want peace of mind. I mean, for me, the picture was settling into a rocking chair for the rest of my life, being still and quiet, and I wanted some excitement. I wanted some passion. I wanted some motivation and dedication and commitment and achievements and serenity. Oh, come on. Later, when I'm 80, you know, 90, 100. But I've come to learn, and I came to learn then too, to embrace it, because although in the stillness, maybe even in a rocking chair, we can find moments of profound peace, 
that's not the heart of peace and that's not the deepest truth of peace. Because that rocking chair is a circumstance, really. And our peace does not come from our circumstances. They help. The picture there is a picture of Stinson Beach on January 1st, 2020. And I took that picture because that's where I want to go to begin a year is the beach, right? Because the beach, the sound, the sky, the spaciousness of the water, of the, the power of the horizon, all give me a gift of peace. So when I was making these slides, I'm there, well, what, are, what better picture for me than the picture of the beach on the first day of the year? So circumstances can support that. Circumstances can inspire us to know our inner peace, but the circumstances are not the source of our peace. And I learned that way back when, when I realized that when I prayed for serenity or for peace, I was also praying for a strength, a clarity, a power that lived within my heart and my soul. And I was, I was thinking about today's talk and about the coming year. I was wondering why we don't have a 13th power, the power of peace because it is truly a spiritual power that lives within us. Every Sunday when we gather, we sing these words, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. And I know my heart opens to those words, and I want that to be true. I want the world's peace to begin with me. I mean, that feels so wonderful. It feels powerful. But this year I'm going to reflect on what does that mean? How do I need to act the rest of the day? What do I need to think to make that real? To make that powerful? So let's pay attention to those words. So everyone join Denny. Thank you. We have a big job to do. We have a big work to do. Our earth so needs peace. And if it begins with each and every one of us, we're going to have a powerful, exciting, passionate, dedicated year. Right? Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let your heart let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. 
So that captures the heart of what this piece is because we know from the get-go it's not our circumstances. It's not that which the world gives to us. Our, our movies, our fellowship, our, our travels, our adventures, our accomplishments, those are all gifts that we give the world and the world gives us. And Jesus is saying that this peace that I'm giving you is beyond that. It goes deeper than that. And when you know this peace, your heart is not troubled and you are also not afraid. To go through life with a heart that is not troubled and to go through life without fear, that's a big thing. That's a good thing. And it comes from that Christ consciousness, not whether everything went right or wrong, not depending on if I'm in the middle of a challenge or an easy time in my life. Charles Fillmore said that peace is the harmony and tranquility that comes from that Christ consciousness. And of course, the Dalai Lama, who is a great teacher of peace, says, if you have inner peace, the external problems do not affect your deep sense of peace and tranquility. Without this inner peace, no matter how comfortable your life is materially, you may still be worried, disturbed, or unhappy because of circumstances. So it's the same message that Jesus was giving, just expressed a little bit differently. And the Dalai Lama has lived such a profound example of peace I, when I think of him, I think of his phrase, my friend, the enemy, you know, where he could bring that consciousness of knowing, in his case, the Buddha within everyone and honoring that within everyone, even when circumstances says that that person or that group of people are his enemy. When I was training in psychology, a repeated theme or lesson was if we are going to do the work of healing as a psychologist, we have to show up as a non-anxious presence. That presence that Jesus was describing, coming into a situation with a heart that is not troubled and coming into a situation without fear. And you know what that's like when you are with someone who has that consciousness, who carries that experience of peace within. When you're in that presence, a lot of times the intensity of fear and worry and doubt just seems to settle right down. There's something about that energy. There's something healing about being in that type of presence. 
Thich Nhat Hanh, another great teacher of peace. He was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, even though he did, was not awarded the prize. I like the way he expresses things. He tends to be pretty down-to-earth. He said, oh, and I can't read that. Can you guys read that? No, sorry about that. On the computer, you could really read it very well. What, what he said was someone asked him, aren't you worried about the state of the world? Because he teaches peace. He teaches meditation and silence. He said, I took a breath and said, what is most important is not to allow your anxiety to fill your heart. That's easy to do, to let that anxiety fill our hearts. Like I said, all I have to do is turn on the TV for five minutes, and, and there it is. He says, it's important not to allow your anxiety to fill your heart. If your heart is filled with anxiety, you will get sick, and you will not be able to help. You know, just very, very basic and very down-to-earth. And this is really great timing to be beginning this theme of peace because this is the weekend that we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he was truly an amazing teacher of peace in so many ways and such a powerful person in our history. And he brought about so many good changes and he did it all from a place of peace. He was a very, very intelligent man. He graduated from high school at age 15 and continued his studies. He went to Morehouse College, got a bachelor's degree, and then he went to seminary to study to become a minister. And then he went to Boston University and got his doctorate degree. So he, he was a deep thinker, highly educated, very intelligent, and he was a powerful leader. He was a minister along with his father in a church in Atlanta. His grandfather had been a minister too, so that was part of his family heritage. He was one of the leaders of the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. And this organization was central to the civil rights movement. He, he led a 382-day nonviolent, peaceful bus boycott that brought about a Supreme Court ruling that made it unconstitutional to discriminate on public transportation. So that was a huge... 382 days, he focused on a peaceful protest and led people... People walked for miles and miles instead of taking public transport under his leadership and it was, they were never violent in their protest. He was also the president of the 
I don't, I don't remember what the SCLC is, some sort of Christian leadership, Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And it was, again, a major organization in the civil rights movement. And through that, his leadership continued. He's probably best known for the march on Washington that he led, again, a peaceful march. And it was in this, on this march to Washington that he gave the speech that he is so well known for, I Have a Dream, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. He received the Nobel Peace Prize when he was 35 years old. At that time, he was the youngest person to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And that prize does not have to be given every year. If, they, if that committee decides there is nobody that is worthy of being named for that prize, they don't award it. And sometimes when they award prizes, they, they split it between two, three, or four people. And he was the only recipient, I think it was in 1964, that he received the Nobel Peace Prize. So he lived a powerful life. His life abruptly ended. He was assassinated. But what he accomplished still lives today, and the work needs to continue. But again, he followed the teachings of Jesus about peace, about forgiveness, about love, and he brought that into his practice into the work he did. He followed the example of Gandhi, who did similar work. And so if peace was a rocking chair activity, we would never have had Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this is so important as we honor him to remember the power of peace in the work that he did. As he followed Gandhi's example, we can follow his example. Because I know many of us feel a strong calling to help our world, to bring peace to our world, to help our earth. You know, we have these fires in California and Australia and other things that are happening, and there's a calling to respond. And so in this year that we are honoring peace, let us find ways of bringing that peaceful presence, the power of peace, into the work that we do. So we're going to have a good, good year. <laughs> good, good year. Um, I just want to take a moment to read a few things from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech. And I have to apologize in advance. There is no way that I can begin to honor the energy and the power of his speech. So I invite everybody to over this weekend to go online and to listen to him. Because in his words, in the sound of his voice, in his energy, there is a power that this can capture. But 
in that speech he said, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. Even though there were troubles, big troubles, painful troubles, he had a dream. And that is one of the ways of peace, to hold our dreams, to hold our visions, and do the footwork that they call for, all from the heart of peace. So we have a good year ahead of us, and I invite everybody to spend this weekend just holding that peace in your hearts, honoring Dr. Martin Luther King, and coming together in that spirit of peace. Namaste. Oh, before I do, I have one more slide from Thich Nhat Hanh. In case... In case we're not up to changing the big world, yeah, what Thich Nhat Hanh said, in our daily life, we can smile. If we have a peaceful and ha we can be peaceful and happy, and when we are, not only we, but the people that we encounter are changed by that, are blessed by that. So we make a peaceful world for ourselves. So whether we do it on that scale or if we change the whole world, we live the way of peace. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. Our services are every Sunday, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. You can support our podcast by making a donation at www.unityvacaville.org.